Blog Talk Radio. Welcome everyone. Welcome to ACO Watch. Hey, sorry about that. Welcome to ACO Watch and Midweek Review. I am your host, Greg Masters, and we are broadcasting on Wednesday, January the 25th, 2012, from the winter paradise of San Diego, California, where we are expecting the temperature to reach the 80-degree mark. So I'm sorry for those of you back east, but that's just the way it is out here in San Diego. Now, we're starting a HIMSS 2012 countdown of sorts, and my first guest is an encore appearance from last year, Steve Adams. Steve is the Executive Vice President of Allier Health, which brings together leading diagnostic and health management companies with expertise in over 100 disease categories. Allier's brands range from over-the-counter tests to lab-based diagnostics to integrated home monitoring solutions. Whether used in a hospital, doctor's office, or at home, Allure products provide timely, accurate, and actionable information to manage your health. So welcome, Steve. Thank you, Greg. Very nice to connect again. And now we're talking to you in uh, Denver, correct? Correct. I am. Uh, uh, the temperature is not quite as warm as where you are, but it's a beautiful sunny day as well. Okay, well, that's good. Love the front range. So, now, did I get that right on a or is there anything else you'd like to put forward here? Uh, th- those good comments. That, that's accurate about a it, it is a very interesting company with a unique portfolio of products and services. Uh, we have 11,000 employees in 24 countries and, and, and really uh, a, a unique uh, and innovative uh, package of capabilities that, uh, frankly, is unlike uh, most any other company I've come across. Well, very good. So let's get to it. Last year at the HIMSS 2011 in Orlando, you gave a uh, an excellent presentation at the HITXO forum titled, You Don't Need a Complete EHR. Now, this year, your participation, I believe, as Master of Ceremonies in the eCollaboration Forum uh, that has a rather attractive heading title of Develop a Strategy for the Future of Collaborative Healthcare and a keynote by Dr. John Madison of Kaiser Permanente. Now, I just love the copy in the event flyer, which reads as follows. In the face of reform mandates, the siloed stasis of healthcare has to change. Patient data must be liberated from proprietary software platforms for easy, seamless, and confidential sharing required by accountable care. Though providers and payers share deep apprehension about realizing the benefits of investing in a new healthcare model, the future of accountable care depends on the implementation of collaborative technologies. So let's talk about collaboration, platforms, and accountable care. Steve, what do you mean by a platform? Sure, sure. Uh, well, I guess a platform can have many meanings. Uh, uh, I recall seeing some pretty interesting shoes that uh, had high platforms on them. 
uh, if, if you uh, are tuned in at all to politics right now, we're hearing uh, wildly varying uh, platforms uh, uh, from the, the various politicians. Um, but, but in the case of, of context of what we're talking about here, uh, we're really talking about a technology architecture. And, and the, the importance of uh, a platform is that uh, some of the components uh, of a platform allow real innovation. And, and what I mean by that is there are you know, three basic elements of, of a technology uh, platform architecture. One, one is known as a, a complement, complements, which um, can be very variable. And this is where the innovation can come in and where things can change over time. A second component is, is the core component, uh, which in, in technology, in this example, remains uh, very stable. Um, and, and that being stable in the architecture can complement change through the, the complements. Uh, and then a third piece of this is the interfaces. And I don't mean to get this into you know, technical jargon discussion, but when you, when you interface the, the core components, kind of the base bedrock architecture with the complements, the innovative pieces of this, then you really open up a, a world of, of innovation and flexibility and modularity that um, is really the direction that we believe in, in the, uh, the, the, I'm sorry, the Collaborative Health Consortium, the direction that is really going to allow for um, some major changes in HIT that, that will be much more usable, flexible, and affordable uh, by all users of HIT. So that's, that's the quick summary of a platform, that kind of bedrock core component uh, combined with the, the innovative uh, applications and interfaces that connect the two together. So give us some context. Where do we stand along that glide path in terms of development, in terms of progress that may have been made over the last 24 months? Where, where are we in, in terms of um, healthcare uh, adaptation and implementation of, of the platform model? Well, if you, if you look at all the companies out there that are using the term platform uh, in describing uh, their technology offerings, it's a huge list. I mean, it, it ranges from companies like uh, uh, Covicent, InsureScripts, Relay Health, uh, you know, the American Medical Association, along with Dell and AT&T, GE, uh, Quest Diagnostics. It's becoming a, a very common term to describe technological offerings. And, and some of these uh, dozens and dozens of companies that, that are claiming uh, uh, platform-like technology are, are truly walking the talk and, and providing uh, the opportunity for partners and others that may not be directly in their company to connect into these platforms and add value to them. Um, and, and this gets into, uh, I guess, a good way of better describing this. We're seeing that progress, but many people are, you know, find uh, this platform architecture confusing. Maybe if I can offer up uh, a kind of a real-world example that most people will relate to in the, in the form of uh, mobile uh, uh, cell phones. Um, you know, there, if, you, if you look back five years ago, there, there really was no cell phone platform. Uh, everybody had a cell phone, but there, there wasn't this opportunity to add on to that core functionality. With uh, the advent of the, the iPhone 
and and also the um, you know the applications that have been developed. I don't know what the latest numbers are. I think it's something like a billion downloads of applications that have been developed uh, by third-party companies um, that get the benefit of the Apple architecture and the iOS operating platform. That is a huge development, a very significant uh, technological development um, uh, uh, that affects many, many millions of people. Uh, along with Apple's iOS, we have the Google Android platform. And, and those two together um, just in the last four years have gone from 0% market share to 62% market share with their, their smartphones and a, and a platform approach. Their, their approach to platforms are a little different where um, Apple's is, is kind of a, what we call a walled garden. They're, they have proprietary technology and rules that you have to follow. Uh, to have one of your apps be available on the Apple App Store, uh, where Android is is less proprietary and more open. Uh, you know, people, third-party third companies that want to develop for the Android um, uh, platform uh, have rules around the technology, but but really not business rules. So it's a more open architecture. So both of these combined together, one that's more proprietary, one that's more open, have gone from zero to 62% market share in a very few years. And this is a great example of what can happen and what is emerging in healthcare technologies as far as platforms. It's a move away from uh, siloed, proprietary, closed technologies uh, to more open and collaborative technologies. And, it, and uh, if you don't mind, I, I'd like to spend a word on that, uh, some time on that word of collaboration, uh, because I, I think it's so critical in healthcare. As, as we're looking at the emergence of ACOs, and some may argue that you know, they've gone from several years ago to conceptual, uh, now to really becoming mainstream since we have some operating rules uh, for what an ACO is and, and, and what functionality it should have. Um, th th this has become uh, th one of the key themes in this is coordination of care. Uh, so coordination and collaboration uh, have become central themes, I think, in, in all healthcare moving forward. If you drain the swimming pool of healthcare and look at the rocks at the bottom that are the most expensive problems we have, I am one that believes uh, the lack of coordinated care is one of the biggest contributors to the expense as well as um, health problems and, and very unfortunate outcomes when there's not coordinated care. So one of the big opportunities here is through collaborative care, coordinated care, is to have multiple companies work together with multiple providers and patients uh, to, to really get a, a better effect of coordinated care that's going to reduce costs uh, and get better outcomes uh, for people in the healthcare ecosystem. So this emerging trend of collaboration, obviously, we, you remember it was the uh, clinical groupware collaborative. We renamed it uh, not too long ago uh, to reflect this move in collaborative care uh, to the Collaborative Health Consortium. So a key theme in these platforms is the ability to facilitate better coordinated uh, collaborative care. I'll take a breath and let you ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I seem to recall... Um, one of your slides last year's was uh, collaborate or die. 
which was uh, well, it's kind of a, <laughs> a tagline that I use frequently, and it, it I guess it, it's kind of a quip, uh, but but frankly, it also has a, a rather dark but true meaning. I, I have seen many instances in discussing with doctors and payers and and others where uh, somebody has uh, you know a multimorbid situation, uh, several chronic conditions, and and uh, one doctor is working on one part of the body, and another doctor is working on another part, and they never get together to coordinate the work that needs to be done. They never take that holistic view of the patient, and unfortunately, that, that's too typical. So there is a dark meaning to that collaborate or die, as well as it being kind of a, a, a rally cry around collaboration. So you probably have an interesting perspective vis-a-vis -vis the consortium, which is um, in a certain sense agnostic, if you will. And, and, and that may be uh, what might be referred to as the siloed stasis of healthcare. although I don't want to put words in your mouth, but at least from the perspective of being somewhat agnostic here and looking at uh, sort of the macro perspective of how this collaboration uh, could play out, what some of the, the platform uh, constituents need to look like so this thing plays well. Can you give some context about where we are in relation to this siloed stasis status? Have we seen some progress, and if not, why? Oh, I definitely think we have. We're, we're seeing the frameworks emerge. And if you look at, I think, the, the terrific work that Ankh has done over the last few years and, and, and you know, Don Berwick and, and others, you know, some terrific leadership here that I, I think has, has put together a framework that uh, allows for, for more collaboration. And it's, it's not unlike where, where we've been, you know, 10 years ago. It's rather like the computer industry in 1983, if you can remember back that far. You know, and if, if you take a snapshot of that era, there, there were like three or four computer companies out there, and they did it all. They did, you know, the applications, the hardware, the peripherals, the network. They did it all. IBM, Digital, Unisys, and so forth. And if you fast forward a couple of decades, now that is broken into more of a matrix uh, in the industry where some people really um, have the expertise in consulting, others in applications, others in, in hardware and peripherals. And now it's, it's hundreds of companies that have taken the place, not displaced all of those, uh, of, you know, digital IBM Unisys. And we're seeing that, I think, same kind of move uh, away from, you know, dominant, closed, siloed technologies uh, to more open, flexible, modular, uh, less expensive technologies. And, and part of the framework that we're seeing Ankh put out there is to enable just that. Uh, you've heard of the Drek project. You've heard you've heard of uh, you know a lot of the great work that has been happening inside the Beltway and nationally to facilitate uh, an architecture that does support platforms that allows interoperability and and you know liberates the data that have lived in these silos for so long. So I, I think we're making significant progress. There's still a long ways to go. We're, we're seeing. Um, initiatives pop up that are taking the concepts of platform. I'll, I'll give one for an example. Um, uh, Dave Whitlinger, the executive director of um, the, the New York eHealth Collaborative, uh, has pulled together a consortium of, of 10 different states with their HIEs 
and all the top uh, HIE vendors and EHR vendors. And, and what they're doing is, is fascinating work in that they're getting agreement from all those constituents, the states and the vendors, uh, about what kind of standards, not really developing new standards, but what standards should we apply to have a platform that we can all use instead of reinventing it in every state and with every vendor that will allow that, that uh, liberation of data and allow interoperability as uh, you know the base core of, of the platform and then allow and promote um, extraordinary innovation on top of that. So when you remove the shackles of the, the silo and, and allow that data liberation, uh, boy, it sounds like I should start singing La Marseille or something, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, allow that liberation. Uh, you, you have the ability then to really uh, develop and promote lower-cost innovation that can be rapid and, and, um, and, and truly uh, uh, world-changing in, in our world of healthcare. Uh, so that's just one example of the momentum that we're seeing uh, towards uh, platform architecture, um, sharing standards, and in many ways what we're doing in, in the um, uh, Collaborative Health Consortium is we're, we're acting as a platform development organization. You've heard the, the term uh, standards development organization. We're kind of taking it to the next level and saying how can these platforms be developed both from a technical point of view and uh, maybe even more importantly from a business model point of view. If you have technology that businesses won't adopt, and uh, after all, healthcare is the largest business in the world, um, then you run into a big barrier. So it has to be not just technology, but the, the, the business adoption of technology because the model makes sense for them economically. And is that a fairly straightforward a value proposition to communicate basically internally to your stakeholders? Uh, where, where is that at? Or is that a, a Sisyphusian effort pushing a rock up a, a, up a, up a mountain? Uh, well, I've had that boulder fall on my head a few times, but it, it is <laughs> – it is becoming easier to articulate. People are recognizing that you know we can't sustain the, the whatever the number is now, 2.6 trillion a year um, in, in healthcare costs, and, and we need to take new approaches uh, to adopt lighter weight, uh, less expensive uh, technologies, and to, to really uh, leverage those technologies to get better better care, reduce redundancy. Do, duplicative testing, that lack of coordination that, that is so expensive in our healthcare system. So when you tie it to that, if you tie it to, oh, Don Berwick's triple aim, however you want to uh, convey the message, people are getting it. So it's not so difficult to convey. You know, draw, draw a, a diagram with a line that starts in the bottom left and goes to the upper right and say we're coming from uh, the, the modular, um, you know, uh, I'm sorry, we're coming from the closed, siloed, expensive approach um, and moving up to the upper right that is more open and, and more modular and less expensive because of this kind of platformatization and, and the ability uh, to more freely move clinical data and share it among all that need to have that information in, in the healthcare system. So people get that problem. It's getting easier to articulate the, the you know, the, the 
um, inertia that you have to, to fight through is largely uh, there's a heck of a lot of people making a heck of a lot of money out of that $2.6 trillion that don't want to see uh, that change. They want to keep their existing market share and do the way they've always done it. Well, uh, I think we're seeing the, uh, a sea change there because more and more companies, whether they're the biggest EHR companies or uh, early stage startups with innovative new social media or mobile or gaming technologies and health care are all focusing on, you know, modularity, flexibility, innovation, and a platform approach to making that happen. So is it, at one level, is it about legacy providers, EHR, EMR providers, becoming, embracing a culture of intraoperability, or is it beyond that? It is certainly inclusive of that, but I think it's beyond that as well. It's not just uh, connecting uh, a point-to-point interface, if you will, um, uh, between two uh, EHR vendors. It's really getting to the level of of workflow interoperability and and having um, a physician that may be using uh, one EHR who is uh, coordinating care with multiple specialists that are each using different EHRs. Uh, it, it can't be, you know, log into each different platform and struggle through it because physicians will not adopt that. If you're adding multiple layers of burden, multiple uh, sites to log in, uh, you will not get adoption of that. So it's got to get to the level of companies working together, uh, collaborate or die, in a fashion that uh, makes it easy for for physicians with their workflow uh, to coordinate and, and collaborate their care with, with multiple providers and other organizations. Payers need to be part of that. Payers are uh, certainly part uh, of this conference coming up, and they see the need um, to, to adopt platforms where they can reduce the cost of care and get uh, better outcomes for their members. And uh, they're beginning to promote and, and push that kind of direction um, with the, their communities, with their members, and and with uh, physicians that have contracts with them. Um, back to you. So, so, and my sense, without again trying to put words in your mouth, is that at this point the government's played somewhat of a beneficial role here in terms of leading conversation, creating incentives, encouraging people to to to, to talk to each other and build some. Some, some basic footprint in here that 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 uh, enables a continued evolution in 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 the market is that is that fair oh without question greg they they have played a, an incredible role in this and and probably the biggest thing is they're they're changing the the payment methodologies and it, it's this move away from fee for service paying physicians for volume uh, to payment for quality uh, and value so they are changing the rules of payment. We've at least stuck our toe into the waters of payment reform. We're not there yet, um, but without payment reform, we will not have technological reform. We won't have health reform. Um, so the things they have done in funding billions of dollars towards meaningful use and encouraging doctors uh, to use uh, technology, um, uh, to putting the frameworks out there for ACOs, um, and and uh, fr- other frameworks that allow providers um, 
to get to this level of workflow interoperability are very significant. The, the payment is driving this. Because the feds have changed the rules, we're really, at least for the first time in my few decades of experience here, uh, really seeing uh, change in, in, in technology and how this is being executed. And so where do you see physicians in this conversation? And might the subtle shift away from accountable care organization to a conversation around accountable care, how does that factor into, in, into, the, uh, into the exchange? Well, I think uh, all providers, uh, to varying degrees, maybe the you know the uh, the hospital CEO versus the independent small practice doc uh, have you know certainly have different perspectives on it. But um, accountable care organization, the noun, um, is one area that there will be you know maybe dozens, maybe a hundreds, hundreds eventually of accountable care organizations out there. Um, but I think we'll see challenges for uh, smaller practices and, and smaller provider organizations to get involved in, in uh, ACO organizations, the noun. But this, this step towards uh, rewarding uh, and, 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 frankly, penalizing uh, for a lack of coordinated care um, is, is going to impact all providers. So. Uh, everybody, depend, you know, whether a small practice or part of a, a large integrated delivery network, are beginning to focus on um, how do we adapt to these new models that are going to pay us uh, for better outcomes and penalize us um, uh, for poor outcomes. So everybody is beginning to ask the question, what new models do I need to adopt as far as technology and business models that are going to help me stay ahead of the curve here economically? As you know, there's a lot of pressure on primary care docs um, economically. It's it's a you know a, a tough world for them uh, to stay ahead of it and, and make a living. And and some of these new incentives are showing them, uh, giving them at least a guiding light in the direction of how they can adapt. Um, uh, to use technologies in a way that will reward them uh, for that extra work. So, you know, we're seeing the adoption numbers, the, the statistics around um, docs who have submitted for meaningful use are rapidly growing. And, and the, the simplest way to put it is um, those economic incentives and alignment of incentives with multiple uh, stakeholders in healthcare are really driving um, that change uh, towards technology. Do you see a future where one or more dominant platforms will emerge in healthcare? I I I, I think it'll be multiple platforms. I rambled through the a list of quite a few companies. It's hard to find even companies that have not been involved in in healthcare, you know, the the Salesforce, uh, um, you know, the Amazons of the world. I guess there's not a lot of them, is there? But but uh, companies, uh, Oracle, that you, you may not think of as as healthcare companies and so forth, that are, are beginning to see that 
um, you know, using their core technology, while it may not have been targeted at healthcare before, has a lot of the infrastructure um, that that can be used in healthcare to break through some of these barriers. And there are there are many components of that that they they have uh, handled with their their core business that apply. You know, identity management, how to have security that makes sense, how to scale it, how to uh, have technologies that that work in the cloud. Um, you know, all these sorts of things that have been done outside of healthcare are now coming into play in these platform technologies. So I believe we'll see not certainly not one dominant platform, but multiple companies, I don't know if it ends up at the end of the day being dozens or hundreds, that are providing uh, platform-like approaches uh, to innovation. Ideally, uh, even if it's multiple platforms, they will be tied together um, by standards that are adopted nationally. So that's some of the good work that Onc has been doing in, in facilitating and, and working in a collaborative fashion with IT companies um, to gain acceptance of, of standards. Uh, and, and the hope is that even if there are dozens or hundreds of platforms out there, they'll have that commonality um, at their core so that um, uh, we can have that data liberation and physicians' workflow can become uh, less complex and difficult. Well, Steve, we're coming down to 90 seconds remaining in the broadcast today, and um, I wanted to get you to spend a little more time on the uh, Collaborative Healthcare Collaborative Health Consortium. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to? Uh, bring forward whether it's the program or or the uh, or the consortium in general. Sure, I, I uh, you know the the program you can see at um, if you go to Hems you can see all about it. We we are doing this program obviously in partnership with Hems. We're very excited about it. It's the inaugural uh, session of this and. Um, quite a list of uh, attendee or participants and speakers that I think everybody will find noteworthy, ranging from uh, uh, Farzad Mastashari to uh, I, I won't read through the list. It's just uh, I, I'm very pleased. It's an incredible group of people that have committed to this. Um, yeah. So I Dave, encourage, David, I'd David. encourage attendance. I'm sorry. I was just say, Dave, Dr. David Kibbe, uh, Esther Dyson, Vince Caritas, Brian A. here, uh, David Wittinger, just to name a few. It's a rather impressive uh, speaker panel. Well, it's a it's a great group, and 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 I think even more importantly, the reason Hims uh, and the Collaborative Health Consortium partnered on this is Hims understands. Um, that this is really a wave of the future, and and they want to be part of that, and and it's a heck of a uh, a pulpit to have with 35 people, 35,000 people attending. So it's I think going to be a great event, um, and uh, we hope to have many more. Okay, Steve, I don't want to cut you short here, but I think we may miss our live cutoff mark here. I want to thank my guest Steve Adams for his time and insights today. Join us next week for another episode of ACO Watch, a midweek review. My guest will be drawn from a rather impressive HIMSS 2012 speaker panel. My hope is that Dr. John Madison, the CMIO of Kaiser Permanente, will be available. We've been talking, but he's not yet confirmed. Anyway, thanks again, Steve, for your time today. Please join us next week, everyone, and thanks for listening. Bye now. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, Steve.
Peace, 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 peace,